Welcome to Citizens Climate Radio, your climate change podcast. In this show, we highlight people's stories, we celebrate your successes, and together we share strategies for talking about climate change. I'm your host, Peterson Toscano. Welcome to episode 91 of Citizens Climate Radio, a project of Citizens Climate Education. This episode is airing on Friday, December 22nd, 2023. Today's show is filled with good news. As a climate advocate, I need to hear good news stories. To find these stories, though, I have to look beyond traditional news sources. Yes, we must hear about the dangerous impacts of climate change. Journalists also need to bear witness to the failures of governments when they do not act on climate. And in the midst of all that, climate advocates like you and me, we also need to hear about successes and breakthroughs. This episode, we celebrate some of the good news that my team and I have found for you. Lily Russian, Karina Taylor, and Horace Moe will each share with you good news stories about what is happening in the climate change sphere. I will also share with you some good news about what you can expect from our show in 2024. We have some very, very special projects coming your way. We begin with a good news story from Lily Russian. Lily served as a CCR team member intern this semester. What can we do with the world's abandoned coal mines? A town in the UK might just have the answer. In Gateshead, England, an old coal mine has been providing green energy for the last six months. The groundbreaking project uses the warm water from the tunnels to heat hundreds of homes and businesses in the former coalfield community. The project is the UK's first large-scale mine water heating network. It shows the potential of using abandoned mines to reduce our carbon emissions. After decades of neglect, Britain's abandoned coal mines gradually flooded. Warmed by the earth, this water could become a key part of our renewable energy future. Geologists estimate that Britain's mine shafts contain over 2 billion cubic meters of warm water. I mean, that is a lot of water. This makes them one of the largest untapped sources of clean energy in the country. In the United States alone, there are almost 50,000 abandoned coal mines. This innovative project in the UK demonstrates the remarkable potential our world has to transform these relics of the past into valuable assets for a green future. But how does it work? Water in mines gets hotter the deeper it goes. At depths of one kilometer, water can reach up to 40 degrees Celsius. That's 104 degrees Fahrenheit. The water is then pumped up from the mine and passed through heat pumps, which raises temperature even higher. The hot water is then piped to buildings where it can be used to heat them. Once the water has cooled down, it is pumped back into the mine system to be heated up again. I love what John Elroy has to say about this solution. He is a cabinet member for the Environment and Transport at Gateshead Council. He says, What we have in Gateshead is a legacy from the days of the coal mines, which was dirty energy. Now, we are leading the way in generating clean, green energy from those mines. To learn more about this project, visit gateshead.gov.uk. I put a link in the show notes for you over at cclusa.org radio. If you have a good news story you want to share, contact us. The email address is radio at citizensclimate.org.
Thank you, Lily. Although Lily Russian's internship is officially over, you will hear her voice a lot in 2024. Later in the show, I will tell you about the special limited series Lily Horace and I have been creating for you. Speaking of Horace, he has put together a good news story for you. Hi there, this is Horace, here with the good news on climate change. Are you concerned about the impact of global warming on marine ecosystems? Do you worry about how ocean biomes are affected by climate change? If you are, I'm on the same side with you. But folks, don't panic yet. I have an uplifting message about protecting the world's oceans for you today. I want you to first imagine a gathering of 400 world leaders and changemakers. I mean, wouldn't be great if they came together to do something about the oceans? These leaders and changemakers include, but are not limited to, conservation experts, business representatives, local communities, and indigenous peoples groups. The good news is, such a meeting just happened. On October 11, 2023, the IUCN Leaders Forum hosted a two-day conference for a diverse group of leaders and changemakers in Geneva, Switzerland, to discuss the future of global oceans. So, what is the IUCN Leaders Forum? Well, IUCN is short for the International Union for Conservation of Nature. The IUCN Leaders Forum that brings global leaders together to discuss innovative solutions and catalyzes impactful action in nature conservation and sustainability. At the end of this year's forum, President Roseanne Al-Mubarak proudly announced the launch of Ocean Breakthroughs. It is a global marine conservation and climate action initiative. The Ocean Breakthroughs aim to improve five key ocean sectors. Marine conservation, ocean renewable energy, shipping, aquatic food, and coastal tourism. Sounds exciting, right? Moreover, successfully implementing ocean breakthroughs will help reduce global greenhouse gas emissions by up to 35% by 2050. I believe all participants at the forum set a great example to mobilize global support in saving world oceans. The impact will further raise public attention for the major and annual international climate meeting, the United Nations Climate Change Conference. Hopefully, the conference can further scale up the effort of saving oceans. I am sure, with our determination and an increasing sense of urgency to take climate action, more climate change good news will transpire in the future. As I'm wrapping up with our good news story today, if you want to learn more about this story, you can always visit iucnleadersforum.org. If you have a good news story to share with the public, please email us at radio at citizensclimate.org. Thank you, Horace. I'm pleased to announce that Horace will continue his internship with Citizens Climate Radio for another six months. Horace is a recent graduate with BA in Environmental Studies from the University of Michigan. He now lives in China and works for a hoisting machinery manufacturing company. 
In his spare time, Horace enjoys weightlifting, watching sports, nature sightseeing, and reading history. Our next good news story comes from COP28. I don't know about you, but I sometimes feel cynical about these gatherings of nations, non-governmental organizations, and corporations. The process often feels convoluted and slow-moving. There's not a lot of bang for the buck. Many young people express their extreme frustration and displeasure with the adults who do not do enough to address the causes and impacts of climate change. According to a Wall Street Journal article and many other news sources, this year's COP has resulted in an historic step forward. In an unprecedented move, nations have agreed for the first time to begin the transition away from fossil fuels. This historic decision marks a pivotal moment in our global climate narrative. The United Arab Emirates, under the leadership of Sultan Al-Jabbar, has successfully brokered a compromise. This deal, born from all-night talks, is not just a statement, but a robust action plan to hasten our journey towards net-zero greenhouse gas emissions by 2050. For the first time, a UN climate agreement explicitly calls for governments to cut back on all fossil fuels. This is a significant shift especially considering the past resistance from major fossil fuel producers and rapidly developing nations. In fact, this is the first time one of these agreements has actually included the words fossil fuels in them. And coming I, through, coming uh, through. Tony? Tony Bafuzio? Yeah, this is Tony Bafuzio from the Bronx. <sighs> well, it's, it's great to see you, but I'm actually in the middle of telling a good news story. <laughs> you call that good news? Yeah, well, it's a step forward. It's, it's historic. Oh, yeah? <laughs> I did something historic this week. I tried plain no-fat Greek yogurt for the first time, and it made me want to puke. A lot like this good news story of yours. Well, you sound about as sour as that yogurt. Listen, Peterson, this is a group that almost 30 years ago set themselves up with big plans to tackle greenhouse gas emissions leading to global warming. All this time, and they finally said out loud what everyone already knew. Extracting and burning fossil fuels is the cause of climate change. I know slow and steady wins the race, but this is like watching a snail moving through a pile of jello with two other snails on its back. All right, Tony, I hear you. You know, this decision hasn't come without its critics. Some environmental groups worry about potential loopholes for the fossil fuel industry, but it is important to acknowledge the strides taken even as we recognize the journey ahead. Sorry, I'm not buying it. All right. But what do you think we should do instead? Well, what, what, what do I think? I'll tell you what I know. I know that when people get off their butts and talk to their members of Congress, it makes a difference. And not just one person, not just a dozen, but thousands and thousands in every congressional district in the USA and beyond telling lawmakers we need smart solutions now. You mean solutions like a CBAM? Yeah, CBAM, Carbon Border Adjustment Mechanism. Exactly. You know, when I first heard about CBAM, I thought it had something to do with the holiday meal. What do you mean? Like, some imported food might now be unavailable? No, not that. It's like when you sit down for a big Bufuzio family meal. I eat so much, too much. I can't move. I get all gassy. I got to loosen my belt or put on sweatpants. It's my post-meal carbon border adjustment mechanism. 
But no, a CBAM is a fee placed on imports of goods that are carbon intensive. The EU is working on this right now. We need to get in that game. Yes, I hear you. There is a lot we can do without the UN or global agreements. The USA has vast power in the world and so much influence. That's why we need to talk to the people who make the laws. They know it has to happen. And we have great solutions like CBAM, carbon fee and dividend and permitting reform. And those ideas are really getting traction. More and more laws are being introduced by Republicans and Democrats and bipartisan. So yeah, if you really want to become part of something historic, visit cclusa.org slash action. Today, you can do something significant, something historic. You don't even have to fly all the way across the world to do it. (laughs) That website again is cclusa.org slash action. Thank you, Tony, for crashing my good news story. Yeah, well, you know, someone's got to keep an eye on you. Coming up, more good news. Plus, I reveal big plans ahead for Citizens Climate Radio. Stay tuned. Are you looking to improve your skills as a climate communicator? To increase your impact in your community and beyond? Or maybe get a brush up on climate change science basics? Citizens Climate offers free online trainings. You can choose from pre-recorded interactive trainings that you go through at your own pace or join us Tuesdays and Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern Time for live trainings. To see a list of our trainings, visit community.citizensclimate.org. At the top of the screen, click on Resources and Trainings. There you'll find a link to all training topics. That website again is community.citizensclimate.org. My name is Zara Amer. I am the founder of the Climate Change Project and the creator of this podcast. The Change, Women, Technology, and the Anthropocene features climate academics, scientists, entrepreneurs, investors, and other key members of the global climate tech ecosystem. The medium is very much the message here. Our interviewees are the change. There are all women, all working climate tech and science, inhabiting top jobs and operating at a unique level in specialized positions that bridge and intersect the gender equity, climate science, and climate tech worlds. Over the course of season one and the upcoming seasons, we will map and define the global climate tech ecosystem and highlight the extraordinary boundary women developing, financing, and procuring climate tech all over the world. Season one is comprised of 10 episodes, and most of those episodes follow a scripted interview format, with my friend Antoinette kindly stepping in to read out my interview questions on the episodes I was unable to host myself. We look forward to embarking on this journey with you, a journey that my team and I will pursue with all our curiosity, sometimes imperfectly, and almost always with a complex climate conscience. We don't profess to have all the answers, but we're asking the right questions. You already heard from Lillian Horace. Now we have a good news story from Karina Taylor. But first, congratulations are in order. Over the last year, Karina has been working on an accelerated master's degree in global strategic communications with a certificate in science communications. This month, she graduated and earned her degree. 
everyone. I'm Karina with a good news story for you. I'm from Miami, Florida, and I grew up near the ocean. Protecting Earth seas is really important to me. So I was really excited when I heard about the High Seas Treaty currently in the United Nations. The high seas are the parts of the ocean that are not controlled by any country. They cover two thirds of the world's oceans. How much of that do you think is protected? Surely two thirds of it, right? Maybe half? Actually, only about 1% of that is currently protected. If the treaty comes into effect, large parts of the ocean will gain protection from oil drilling and other damaging human activities. These regions will be kind of like gigantic national parks, but in the ocean. The High Seas Treaty will also regulate how countries and companies take the ocean's resources so they are used more equitably. Lastly, it will update how countries conduct environmental impact assessments. Essentially, there will be a new and improved way to record what's happening in the high seas. The result? A big win for the ocean and its wildlife. This treaty has been in the works for almost two decades. Last spring, the UN finally decided on the terms of the agreement. It was then translated into the six official languages of the UN. Earlier this fall, 76 countries and the European Union signed it. That's 103 countries, and there's still time for more countries to sign it. Although these countries signed the High Seas Treaty, 60 nations still need to ratify it before it comes into effect. Each country has a different ratification process, so it will take some time. Fortunately, the treaty performed way better than expected, and that makes me very optimistic. This global commitment to protect the ocean shows that most of the world wants to see the high seas flourish. Personally, I'm excited that I get to keep enjoying the ocean here in Miami. I'm hopeful that future generations will have that same privilege. Want to learn more about the latest status of the High Seas Treaty? Visit treaties.un.org. Thank you, Karina. And before we end our show, I have good news for you about Citizens Climate Radio. After 91 consecutive monthly episodes without missing a single month, we will take a very brief pause. In February 2024, we will start Season 2 of Citizens Climate Radio. Yeah, I know, seven years is a very long season for Season 1. In 2024, my team and I will premiere two special limited series. Karina Taylor and I have been working on a Spanish-language podcast called Voces del Cambio, Voices of Change. In it, we will highlight countries and regions in Latin America. We will explore a particular problem related to climate change and then share creative solutions that are proposed or enacted to address the problem. The show will be completely in Spanish. In each episode, we will direct listeners to tuclimavivible.org. This is CCL's Spanish-language website. Voces del Cambio will air on a different podcast channel, and we will be sure to share those details when the show is running. The other limited series takes a wildly different approach to looking at climate change. 
team member Lily Russian inspired us to consider climate change as a crime and to explore it through the lens of a true crime podcast. I find the true crime genre so compelling. But climate change is huge. How on earth will we be able to investigate it as a crime? We decided to focus on a special and pivotal time in history from about 1997 to 2007. During this period, there was a dramatic and dangerous shift in the U.S. political landscape. There had been bipartisan agreement that global warming posed a genuine risk to humans and the planet. In fact, many prominent figures on the right and the left took part in national campaigns to raise awareness. Then, less than 10 years later, everything changed. Suddenly, half the lawmakers in the country refused to even acknowledge climate change was real. What happened? Who's responsible? Turns out the answers are not as straightforward as you might imagine. Lily Russian, Horace Moe, and I have been investigating this story. And in 2024, we will release our limited true crime climate change podcast. In addition to these special series, we will continue to produce our monthly show with guests and topics that typically do not get covered by the media. We will continue to help you in your own climate work by giving you expert tips and insights about climate communication. We will highlight solutions, and most of all, we will cheer you on as you do this vital work. Thank you for everything you've been doing for the planet, for humanity, and to address climate change. And if you have good news to share, we would love to hear about it. Please email us radio at citizensclimatelobby.org. That is the correct email address, actually. Radio at citizensclimatelobby.org. Thank you so much for joining Horace, Lily, Karina, and me for episode 91 of Citizens Climate Radio. If you like what you hear and you want to support the work we do, visit citizensclimateeducation.org. There you will learn how you can make a tax-deductible contribution. Here at Citizens Climate Education, we want you to be effective in the climate work you do. We provide training, local group meetings, and many resources. They're all designed to help you build the confidence and skills needed to pursue climate solutions. Find out how you can learn, grow, and connect with others who are engaged in meaningful work. Visit cclusa.org. That's cclusa.org. We would love to hear your feedback about this episode and our show. After you listen, feel free to fill out a short survey. You will find a link to the survey in our show notes at cclusa.org slash radio, or just email us radio at citizensclimatelobby.org. Citizens Climate Radio is written and produced by me, Peterson Toscano, 
along with the CCR team, Karina Taylor, Lily Russian, and Horace Moe. Other technical support come from Ricky Bradley and Brett Cease. Social media assistance from Flannery Winchester and Samantha Johnstone. Moral support from Madeline Para. The music on today's show comes from EpidemicSound.com. Our listenership is growing very quickly. And I thank you for sharing Citizen Slamet Radio with your friends and colleagues. Please continue to do so. Spread the word. We are so excited to get other people excited to do climate work. You can find Citizen Slamet Radio wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also listen at northernspiritradio.org. Thanks to Lily and the CCR team, you can now follow us on all kinds of social media platforms. These include Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and TikTok. Feel free to call our listener voicemail line. That number is 619-512-9646. Plus one if you're calling from outside the USA. That number again, 619-512-9646. Visit cclusa.org radio to see our show notes and find links to our guests. Citizens Climate Radio is a project of Citizens Climate Education. Hi, I'm Drew Irely. I am the Conservative Outreach Director for Citizens Climate Lobby. My path to being a conservative, uh, concerned about climate action, was definitely a long one. Growing up, it's a very rural area. You had to be into the outdoors or you were going to be bored out of your mind. So I grew up doing a lot of hunting, fishing. I was the only the, the second person on my mom's side to graduate high school. I graduated June 6th, 05, at like 7.30 at night, and by 8 o'clock the next morning, I was on my way to basic training on my 17th birthday. (laughs) I had deployments to Iraq, Afghanistan, rotations through Cuba. It was during this time that I really became concerned with energy infrastructure, but I wasn't ready to take action yet. It took the birth of a 10-pound baby girl with cheeks so big she couldn't open her eyes to really get me to open mine. My life just went from the next 50 years to the next 75. What if she's the veteran that follows in my footsteps and she's in the VA suffering from exposure? You know, what if she's on a fossil fuel route and you know, subject to an IED? How will I be able to look at her in the eye and say, I knew that this could be an issue that you would have to face and I chose to do nothing about it. It's why we fight wars. You know, we fight them now so our kids don't have to. I am fighting climate change now, so my daughters don't have to. A lot of people, you know, they say conservatives don't care about climate change, and it's not true at all. We just want sensible policies that don't destroy the economy in trying to find a solution. We have that here at Citizens Climate Lobby.
there are a lot of leadership opportunities for conservatives, especially in red states and districts with Republican congressional offices. Conservatives can also join CCL's Conservative Caucus. It's a national group of Republicans and other right-of-center individuals where conservatives can get together and regularly meet online and have strictly conservative-based conversations. Sharing our personal story is how we make a difference. Conservative and concerned about climate change? You're not alone. My name is Chelsea Henderson, and I host RepublicEN.org's EcoRight Speaks, bringing you weekly guest interviews and stories. John Kasich, Christine Todd Whitman, Congresswoman Nancy Mace, meteorologist Marshall Shepard. Each week, we have a conversation with an EcoRight leader bringing you information, opinions, personal stories, and much, much more. Download, listen, subscribe, and join us each week on the EcoRight Speaks. Looking for a burst of inspiration and encouragement? Are you a climate advocate hungry to hear climate advocates' stories of success? Want to improve your climate communication skills? If so, tune into Citizens Climate Radio, a climate change podcast. Learn, laugh, and gain a greater appreciation for a variety of climate work. We feature diverse guests, younger and older, on both sides of the political aisle and in the middle. From preachers, poets, and indie race car drivers to coal miners, comedians, and circus performers. Each month, we introduce you to engaging climate change figures. You can find Citizens Climate Radio wherever you listen to podcasts or visit our website, cclusa.org radio.